Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Mike Lynch here. Hey, and I'm Patrick Harris. You probably like baseball, which is why you're listening to this. This is the uh, Hot Corner Podcast. Well, I kind of like baseball. I guess I'll tune in. Baseball's pretty neat, so thanks for listening. This is brought to you by your local Les Schwab Tire Center. Doing the right thing since 1952. Woo, baseball! The baseball season is way too long. The game is way too slow. It's so boring to watch. Shut up. Get your peanuts, Cracker Jacks, and IPAs ready. This is the Hot Corner with Harrison Lynch. Swing and a long drive. Deep to right. Covering all things baseball. Going. Going. The big leagues. Going. Going. And the MLB to Portland. Goodbye. He has done it. He has changed the game of the night with one swing of his bat. Now, here are your hosts, Patrick Harris and Mike Lynch on 1080. Bang, zoom, go the fireworks. The fan. We are back on the airwaves after a week off. Well, I am back. Patrick is not here once again, and it is his fault and Joe's fault, who just left. No, he's still there. Joe's fault for us not having a show last week. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. I was here ready to go, ready to stay for three hours. But no, we're back this week, and uh, I brought in a special guest today. I want you to know I sat in front of the radio last week from 8 to 10 and just listened to Static and cried. I want you to know that all all night long from eight to ten, I sat there and weeped. It wasn't just static. You would have been listening to ESPN Radio. Uh, not the way I do it. It was static. <laughs> I don't want to listen to those ESPN chumps. I wanted to hear hot baseball talk from you two, and I didn't have it. And I sat there and cried. Well, to be fair, to pull back the curtain a teensy bit, I did invite you on the show two weeks in a row. I went, hey. Patrick's got to miss two weeks in a row. Joe's out one of the weeks. Would you like to come in two weeks in a row? And you went, sorry, I'm going to be at the Mariner Yankee game, which was a little stab at me, first of all, because I didn't get to go. Yeah, I can't can't come do your baseball show because I'm at a baseball game. You could have called in. Well, I guess the game was over already, but you probably were traveling. I was driving home. Yeah. Yeah, I could have driven all the way home and come right to the studio. Could have. But... Since I don't really do this for a Since job, you don't work here. Yeah, I decided to go home. It's more of a favor. But I'm here tonight. And I appreciate the help tonight, John, because I did not want to go two weeks without a show in a row at this time of the year. No, you can't do that. No. You got to give the people hot baseball talk. Yes, and that is exactly what we are going to do today. You got that right <laughs> till the break of 10 o'clock. We're going to do a hot corner after dark, which if you're listening for the first time, that's a thing that happens right around now, this time of year, when it starts getting dark out earlier, and the show gets a little bit looser, goosier as we get more and more into winter, and then and then all the, the wheels come off in, like, December, and we're just goofing off for two hours, and it's kind of just, uh, come join us and see what the hell we're talking about. We spent 15 minutes on SpongeBob one time, because I liked SpongeBob growing up, 
I'm sure you've had a lot of SpongeBob experiences with your big kids. Big fan. Big fan of SpongeBob. Right? It's a great show for adults and children alike. It is. So it makes it a great cartoon. And that's not always the case. Sometimes you get those kids shows that just are brutal. Yes. But when you get one, and they do it on purpose, they gear it towards the adults as well. I appreciate that. I feel like that's happening less and less. Not that I spend time watching cartoons because I don't have kids. But I've seen in passing every Saturday morning when I wake up in the morning, uh, these cartoons, they're just so kid-oriented, and I go, I can't enjoy these. Where's the adult Where's the adult humor? Where's the slightly dirty joke that only adults will get? Right, and I, and I can't speak to it as much anymore either because my kids are older now, and, and they don't watch that as much. But when they were young, it was a joy to sit down because uh, they watch whatever they want. And so if they want to watch, you know, what, if, you know, when they were in the Teletubby stage, that's brutal because there's nothing. <laughs> the Wiggles, brutal. There's nothing there. I've never watched the Teletubbies. Nor should you. The only knowledge I have is that they look creepy and they don't actually speak. They just make noises. Yeah, and when your kids are in that stage, that's brutal. But when they graduate to like SpongeBob or Jimmy Neutron or something that you can enjoy. Jimmy Neutron was good. Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius was fantastic. I liked Jimmy Neutron. Yes, there's nothing wrong with that. I also like Danny Phantom. Danny Phantom was okay. How about shows with random names and... Objects that are related to them. <laughs> right? Danny Phantom, Jimmy Neutron. Yeah, when you get one of those that's geared a little bit more towards the adult, too, that's good times. Ed, Ed, and Eddie was a good one for that. My kids loved Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Now, did you always let your kids watch whatever they wanted, or were you pretty strict in terms no, of... I was the opposite. In fact, I probably should have been more strict. I just kind of... See, because when, when you get to that stage, and, and I know I shouldn't... I know you shouldn't be this way, but parents are... But TV is a big, giant pacifier. And when your kids are in tune to whatever it is they're watching, they're not bothering you. You have freedom. You have freedom. <laughs> and you can kind of move around and do <laughs> And it is true. <laughs> and it's fantastic. And I know you shouldn't be that. You're not supposed to be that way. But I figured whatever it was that captured their attention, I was going to let them watch. So it could be like monkey knife fighting from Cambodia. And if my kids were going to leave me alone for 30 minutes, they can watch it. So SpongeBob, no problem at all with SpongeBob. Well, that's a very that's a very safe option compared to monkey knife fighting right? that you're finding on Animal Kingdom over here. I'm grateful that they didn't get into the monkey knife fighting because I would have let them watch it for sure. Now, my parents were on the extremely strict end until probably about seventh grade or so for me. They didn't let me watch wrestling. So Ooh, I did not because really? my, my mom was very anti-violence. Okay. And even though wrestling is uh, not real. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Stop that. <laughs> uh, it's still violence, at least in her mind. So all of my friends were watching wrestling, and I was not allowed to watch wrestling. Just, so I, I only saw it when I was at a friend's house. Just a quick tidbit on the wrestling. It's not so much the violence. As someone who used to watch the, the Attitude Era with Stone Cold and The Rock, I've gone back and watched some episodes. It's just some of the storylines and some of the things that they got away with then that they would not be able to get away with now. Not so much the fighting no, stuff. No, like the, the sexualized stuff oh, and the God, Jim McMahon dude. being Jim McMahon. And, um, yeah, and uh, yeah. Vince, you mean. Sorry, yeah, yes, I mean, Vince. Unless yeah. Jim McMahon made a crossover to uh, <laughs> no, no, no. wrestling. I mean, I would no, watch I was, that I too. was thinking of the, uh, the NFL guy, but no, Vince McMahon, yes. Uh, XFL guy, Vince McMahon. I have seen clips of him, like, ogling women and 
all sorts of weird stuff from he's, the wrestling days. He's kind of a psychopath, a rich <laughs> psychopath, but yeah. Yeah, see, back in the day, we didn't have to worry about that. We just had Hulkamania. We had Macho Man Randy Savage. We had the great Rowdy Roddy Piper. Every once in a while, Mr. Fuji would throw salt in somebody's eyes. <laughs> Superfly Snooker would hit somebody with a coconut. That's all you had to worry about. I would like to believe that had you grown up with me, Mama Lynch would have let that go because that was wholesome, pure wrestling entertainment. Maybe. Maybe. And I also was not allowed to watch The Simpsons for whatever reason. Really? Yeah. The Simpsons? Yeah. Look, I, I, I'm telling you, I, I grew up in a strict-ish TV household. Apparently. Yeah. But then once video games hit, they kind of were like, oh, well, okay. Fine. This explains your video game and death metal phase that you're in right now. You're. <laughs> I don't really know if it's a phase. This is kind of who I am, John. You're lashing out <laughs> to regain your lost freedom from your childhood is what you're doing. I'll show you, Mom. I'm going to listen to death metal. But see, the, the weird thing was that when Chronic 2001 from Dr. Dre came out, I bought that album. And my dad listened to it and liked it with me. So Your, your parents were okay with that? Yeah. So it was a weird, it was very strange with the TV versus other things. And then it's, video games came and they kind of tried to resist some of the violent stuff. And then they just gave me Halo and that was all, it's, it was all over from it's there. It's funny what your parents make a stand with, right? My parents were pretty, like I, we didn't have some of that stuff to be honest with you. Cause you didn't I'm, have options. Right. So, but it is funny. Like in my day, the thing that you had was you had the girly poster. Like you'd go to the mall and you'd go to Spencer's and you'd get like, the, the bikini poster. Right. And that was like the big thing. And you're like, oh, oh my, my God, God, she's sewing, showing shoulder. Right? Like, oh. oh, cleavage. That's fantastic. And I remember one time, like this was a big deal in my house, right? Because we didn't have that stuff. Is I I had a friend give me for my birthday. Uh, it's it's kind of famous. You you don't remember, do you remember the show back from the 80s, The Fall Guy? Have you ever heard of The Fall Guy? I have not. Okay, you need to do some research and find The Fall Guy. Okay. The great Lee Majors played a stuntman. Now, is this a typical Sukanic loved really bad 80s oh, anything? Oh, it's so good. Or is it really good? No, it's horrible, but okay. it's so good. The Suk family, for those who don't know, have an obsession with terrible 80s cinema and TV. And Lee Majors was right in there, The Fall Guy. <laughs> so he played a stuntman. And the the love interest in the show was a girl named Heather Thomas. So you should Google Heather Thomas because for the 80s, she was really hot. And she did this poster. I feel like that's a bad setup. For the 80s, <laughs> she was really hot. Well, she was. Google Heather Thomas hot tub poster because there was a poster of her. Oh, in, yeah. She is quite attractive. Yeah, in like a pink bathing suit in a hot tub. And that was like the most popular poster around when I was a kid. And I had a friend give it to me for my birthday once. And I was like, what am I going to do with this? So I hung it on the back of my door. Because I was still like, I'm going to hang it up, but I didn't think my mom would ever see it, right? Oh, because she opens the door and you don't see the poster. Right, so I hung it on the back of the door. And it's funny because I was worried, like, what's my mom going to do when she finds this? Like, am I going to get in trouble for having this? What's she going to do? And in credit to my mom, I came home from school one day, and it was off the back of the door and hung up on the wall. Oh. Like, she took it off the door and put it on the regular wall as if to say... This is okay. If you're going to Google this young starlet, just Google right out in the open. So I kind of always appreciated that. That was a moment where I bet you she saw the poster. She was cleaning your room or something, and she closed the door and saw wow. it. Wow. And the initial thought was, John. Right? Jonathan Jeffrey Sukanik. I don't right. know what your middle name is, but. Um, Bob, get back here and look at this. See what and, John has behind the door? And then Bob goes, nice. 
<laughs> and then your mom goes, we should throw this away, right? And you have the back and forth, and she goes, you know what? Looking at women is totally natural. Right. I'm going to put it up on the wall right above his bed. There you go. When he's laying down at his pillow and he looks up to the left of the wall, there she is. Yeah. And I found the picture. It is... um. It's a good picture. In like like 1983-ish, that was a huge deal right there, that poster. Now, did you have the one where she was standing or sitting? Standing. Because there's two. There's The standing one was the most famous one. Yes. And she has her little like bikini bottom like hooked in her thumb. She's thing. like pulling it up. Yeah. And that showing was, a lot of ribs. That was the real deal. That was the great Heather Thomas. Ribs, quote unquote. Yeah, from the Fall Guy. So if you're messing around out there. Take a look at The Fall Guy. It's a fantastic show from the 80s. And the sitting down one, she kind of looks like Hannah Jeter, Derek Jeter's wife. She kind of has a similar yeah. vibe to her. Yeah, a little, little bit. bit. A little bit. A little bit. The great Heather Thomas, my first love, my first celebrity love. Well, that's uh, see, that's what you get in Hot Corner After Dark. Things just happen. Right. And we talk about random 80s hot posters that you had in your room. Girly posters. Meanwhile, I had Channel 63 when it was all uh, scrambled. That was, my, uh, that was my hot girl poster. Mama Lynch. <laughs> I mean... That was that was not blocked for me. I just when I finally got a TV in my room, that was a, that was an adventure. <laughs> uh, we do have a lot of hot baseball talk for you today. Now, when we have John in, normally it's we talk about what's going on around that time of the year. It's pre, mid, and post. We have him in three times a year, and it's recapping the season, previewing the season, or talking about what's happened at the All Star break. So, what I wanted to do this time, which is a little bit different, is I do want to talk some off season because. Let's be honest. There's only one really interesting divisional race right now. That's the NL Central. Wild card races are interesting, but Patrick and I have talked about them ad nauseum for the last couple of weeks because that's really all there is going on in baseball right now. Uh, but I do. I did find a good article from Jeff Passan, who is amazing, and uh, he made a great article previewing this year's offseason, which should be quite entertaining as long as everybody decides to sign people instead of waiting for six months. A lot of good big-name players out there, so we'll talk about that. We do have fair file coming up at 930, but I want to get John's thoughts on all of the various controversial topics in baseball that we haven't had a chance to really break down with him because Patrick, you know, Patrick and I's thoughts on robot umps and all that kind of stuff, probably because we talked about it six times already, pretty much like the back of your hand, but we don't really know John's thoughts on these because when John's in, we don't ask him. So I kind of just want to flow with a conversation of controversial baseball topics and see where John sits. I imagine he's a little bit more old school, but Maybe we'll maybe we'll be surprised. I'm, I'm a little bit more. I I tend to lean that way for sure. Um, but I'm I feel like I'm growing a little bit. So uh, I I've uh, changed my ways in, in some of these topics and and I'm looking forward to talking to you about them because again usually I come in here and we recap what the Mariners are doing and uh, at this stage of the season I have chosen to forget what the Mariners are doing. It's been a horrendous yet, season. Yeah, you're still watching every night, aren't you? Well, like, what am I supposed to do? Football, football starts this tomorrow. Tomorrow, and that will take away some of that. But I still, uh, I'm a glutton for punishment. I watch, I watch to the end. I'll be watching game 162 for sure. Well, of course you will. We'll talk about a little bit of that as well because you you put on Twitter you want to talk about Edwin Diaz being awful. So we'll get to that as well because I, that... I just want to know what the Mets did to break him. <laughs> he was in mint condition when we mailed are, are, him to New York. Are, are we sure it was the Mets? He was in mint condition when uh -huh. we mailed him to New York and the <laughs> Mets screwed him up. I want to know why they should be held accountable. All of that coming up on the show next two hours, eight to 10 today. Better you today. Text line is five, five, three, zero five. If you want to interact with us. And then on Twitter, I'm at Mike Lynch, 27 John's at Jason Kennick S C U K A N E C. Nice. And Joe is at JoeFish3, F-I-S-C-H-3. You can find us there and at Tanny to the Fan on Twitter as well. Coming up next, 
let's start with the Mariner thing because I'm actually curious now about the Edwin Diaz trade and how that's going. And then we'll dive into the controversies of baseball. This is the Hot Corner to any of the fan. This is the Hot Corner with Harrison Lynch on 1080 The Fan. You can't just be doing things like that, Sean, and expect me not to notice. Doing what? So, Cam has a uh, has a little section on this window over where he sits where he puts post-its of things that he thinks. One of them says Myers Leonard will average 15 points and 10 rebounds next season. Cam, 7-9-19. The other one says OBJ or underline, underline Jarvis Landry will be complaining by week four. That's Cam 7, 26, 19. Hot and you, takes. It's the hot take window. And you in, might I say, exceptional handwriting. Oh, thank you. Put, I, by the way, I always notice people's handwriting because mine is so atrocious that when someone has nice handwriting, I'm like, wow. Have you ever seen my brothers? You should ask my brother to write something for you. <laughs> I think mine's worse. Ask my brother to write something for you. Seriously, it's like his dog had a pen. It's it's awful. I love my brother. He's very talented. He has horrible. He's a horrible speller too. And his grammar's poor. That I've noticed. Yes. yes. But you should have have him write something. His handwriting is atrocious. So what did you put on the hot take board? John nine four nineteen added something to the hot take board. I said both of these notes will lose their stickiness and fall <laughs> off the window far too soon. <laughs> so, I don't think either one. Look at this one. The Myers Leonard ones get that'll be gone in a week. That's flaking up already a little yeah. bit. So that's my hot take is that Cam's hot takes will lose their stickiness and fall into irrelevance. <laughs> they will slide sideways past the table and you will lose them completely. What are the chances that tomorrow when they come in, they won't know who John is? Well, Dusty will know who you are. Will Cam know who you are? Oh, I've met Cam. I'm just saying, like, I don't know that it will be in their consciousness oh. that I was in here last night. Right. So they'll probably be like, John, like, is that the janitor? <laughs> it's like Goodwill hunting. The janitor comes in here to vacuum and messes with Cam's hot take window. <laughs> So the Mariners traded this offseason. Yes, they did. Robinson Cano and Edwin Sugar Diaz. The great Edwin Diaz. To the New York Metropolitans for a load of prospects. Yep. Including Jared Kalenic, who was one of their best prospects. And is just killing it right now. In, all in all accounts Myers. are that he is awesome they, in the minor league so far. He looks like the real deal. Now, when the trade happened... I actually thought it was somewhat of a smart deal for the Mariners, if I remember correctly, because all of their trades up to that point had been strange and adding major league talent when you knew they really just wanted to get to a part where they could reset. Sure. And that was the only one where they got rid of a horrific contract to Cano, which was going to be even more horrific than we all thought in the beginning. And paying Edwin Diaz in the future for trying to restock the farm system, getting three guys that were really young. And I didn't think necessarily it would be that good of a trade this quickly, but yet here we are. Cano is eh, struggling and he, he's had a tough year and Diaz is the most hated person in New York. Probably Gosh, right now. I feel bad for Ed. I loved Edwin Diaz in Seattle. I really did. And I was, you know, I was upset when they shipped him off. I understand why they did it. And I agree with you that in hindsight, it's, it's, I mean, it's an amazing deal right now, but it, even in hindsight, had Diaz been awesome this year, it probably still is a smart plan to do. Uh, one, you get out of that contract, and two, closers 
I mean, closers are closers, right? They're notoriously fickle yep. uh, year to year. Um, it's rare that you get the Rivera uh, that runs the course of his career and never really has a hiccup. Um, but I feel awful for him. He is hated in New York. I mean, he's on I have the a lot of friends who are Mets fans. It is, it is just ripping him left and right because he's – Almost universally blown saves every time he comes in. It He's feels awful. Like. And last night might have been the worst one. Yeah, uh, last night, if you missed it, the Mets scored five runs in the top of the ninth inning to take a six-run lead over the Washington Nationals. And they gave up seven runs in the bottom of the ninth inning to lose by one. And, then, and Edwin Diaz came in last but gave up the final blow on uh, – I want to say a Rendon hit, but I can't remember who it was. Exactly. And they had never, this is the first time the Mets in like 800 games had lost a game when they had a, a six run lead or, yeah. or whatever. They were like 808 and oh. And so the front page of like the New York Post today just had Diaz walking off the mound and it said 808 and one. <laughs> it was just awful. But I feel bad. So here's my thing, Mike. And you guys know, did, did the Mets break Diaz or is this just the ultimate case? of you don't know what you get with closers and you got to be careful dealing with them. I think it's probably a little bit of both. Now, I, as a Yankee fan, I love to poke fun at the Mets because it's just a, it's a fun pastime and they're easy. They're easy target, right? They're low hanging fruit, but the Mets do have a history of messing up players that they acquire. And if I remember correctly, I read so an article, the Mariners though. True. And I, I read an article saying that pl- people, GMs and, and scouts in the league will view players on the Mets differently because they say they can fix players the Mets have messed up. There's, I read somewhere that that is a thought prevailing around Major League Baseball that the Mets just break players. Interesting. And that they're actually fixable when they go to other teams. So I think some of that might be true, but I think it'd be silly to say that that's completely true. Watch, watching Edmund Diaz, as great as he was, he had a little Fernando Rodney in him. He liked to walk a couple of guys, get the bases loaded, make it interesting in the ninth inning. Sometimes. I mean, last year he had like a one ERA, so he was incredible. Well, his, and he... his first year in Seattle, his rookie year, he had a lot of problems, and he would do that. Fernando Rodney's a great comparison uh, because he could come in. I, uh, my buddy that I watch a lot of Mariner games with, we used to joke that you could, I could tell in three pitches if he had it or not. You could just tell, and uh, and there were more games than not he didn't have it, and he could never get back on track. If he didn't have it, it was a struggle. And last year for Seattle, one, it didn't happen nearly as much. So whatever they did to tweak his arm slot or his follow-through, whatever they did. 32 walks in 2017, just 17 in 2018. Really worked. And the other thing was when he was off last year, you could tell again, you know, in a couple of pitches, you're like, oh, boy, he doesn't have his command. He was able to dial it back a little bit and go away from whatever pitch he couldn't throw and throw his secondary stuff and still more often than not get through it. And so I kind of thought he was fixed. I'm like, I can live with this Diaz. He's fixed. And when they shipped him off to New York, I I thought the Mets were getting the best closer in baseball. I really did. I, I don't think he's going to get 57 saves again. But I thought, here's a guy that's going to come in on that team. And he's going to save 45 to 50 games. Funny enough, he actually still has 25 saves this year, despite yeah. having a 5.65 ERA. And I'm, I'm just shocked at how bad Diaz has been. Even watching him be bad two years ago, this has been hideous. Oh, it's way worse. But the, that's kind of why I say some of it might be the Mets, but the other part is obviously him. He's a bit of a wild card sometimes. Another good comparison, if you want to say 
you know, if Rodney is like the bad comparison, Araldus Chapman might be a good comparison. Chapman is same, the same. You can tell within three pitches if he has it or not. His fastball is either pinpoint or he's all over the place. But this year, he added a slider that he's throwing more. And when his fastball is off, he starts throwing the slider to try to get it in, which is kind of what Diaz did last year to, right. to improve. Um, but when Chapman's bad, I mean, he's horrific. He's walking everybody. He's letting run. It's just a really, really tough time. So it's kind of a little bit of a comparison in that way, too. So I think it's probably both. The problem is, is so much of closing is about confidence and, and being able to know that anytime you get called to go close a game, and it's usually one or two run games, obviously, unless you're putting in, in a random garbage time situation. If you don't have confidence, you're going to get lit every single time. Right. So it ha- has his confidence been completely broken? I worry that that might be the case. Well, and it's funny, too, because, you know, you hear about, you know, one, you know, being on the West Coast in Seattle, and it's a soft media market. And even when Diaz was awful, he never got skewered by the Seattle press. They, they never went after him. I mean, there was, uh, they, there's kid gloves in the Seattle media. And you're more familiar with this being from back there and a Yankee fan. I don't, I don't pay much attention to the New York media. I have this year a little bit because I've been following Cano and Diaz because I liked them so much as Mariners. And it is amazing to me how it's bloodthirsty how much the media goes after those guys. I mean, Cano has just been skewered uh, by the media, and Diaz even worse. And for a young kid like that, coming from Seattle where you're loved and and universally hailed as the next big thing, and you had an amazing historic year, to go to New York and struggle, I can't imagine what he feels like waking up every morning and seeing himself just getting drilled in the paper every day. I Yeah, I can't imagine either. It's... Some of it is the, is based on the fans, I think, because, I mean, the media have a job to do, right? You have to be as non-biased as you can. Some well, people you, have opinions. Some people can't. You want to sell writers. papers. I get it. But the fans are so demanding. And you'll you'll and just go on Twitter sometime, and anytime the Mets blow a game, just look on the hashtag Mets or search it on Twitter and just look at what the – go to the latest so you don't see the top tweets and just look at what people are tweeting. It's vicious. Same with the Yankees. I mean, sure. sometimes you – as a, as a more level-handed Yankee fan, I look at what people are saying, and I'm like, are you effing kidding me? Right. Like, you don't – that doesn't make any sense, but one bad pitch, this guy's a bum, get him out of here, trade him, get this guy up from the minor league. You know, it's – everyone in that area who's a baseball fan lives and dies with every single pitch in every single game. I'm thankful for that because I, be, I became the fan I did because of that. Sure. I love baseball to death. Sure. But it is – I think some of the media – does what they do because the fans kind of demand it. Sure. If the fans read an article and they go, why are you being so nice on these guys? They suck. Sure. You might not be able to get, keep the fans. Well, and you got to sell papers too. And I, if I'm angry at Edwin Diaz and I see the, the front page of the New York post and they're ripping him, I I want in on that because I want to rip the guy too. So here I am. I just think it's interesting. You don't really get that in Seattle. And I never really paid much attention to that because that's when you, when that's the coverage you follow every day, it just becomes that coverage. I don't really pay attention to many other teams. I never have. Uh, but this year has been a little different because I've followed the Mets, um, specifically because of Cano and Diaz. And uh, I think those guys uh, have <laughs> have had a tough go this year. At, sure. le- at least Cano is used to the New York media. That's where he started his career, so he's, he's, he's got, used to it. He's got enough swagger that he probably doesn't care. Or you if know. he does, you won't you won't know. Right, and he like you said, he's used to it. But for a young kid like Diaz, 
It could break him. It it could be tough. I don't know. I don't know how he comes back with any sort of confidence next year, um, having the year he had this year. How many years did he have left when you traded him? Two, three. Well, this is his third year, so you get six. Oh, they got a lot of control. So they got three more years of team control. I can't imagine they try to keep him. They might. They might see what they could get for him on the market. Because teams are desperate for bullpen. Sure. Ne- I mean, at the moment, for whatever reason, the bullpens all got really bad at the same time. Sure. I could see them trying to trade him just because at a certain point, it's time to move on. Well, you know? and, and to play off your argument that you started the segment with, if if teams really look at Met players like they can fix them, Diaz would be a prime candidate. Exactly. Now, I'm not saying that Oakland they sh- A's, how about them? I'm not saying they, they should trade everybody. him back to Seattle, but... <laughs> We have an in-his-prime third baseman right now that we could move. If you're interested, Mets, Kyle Seager would, no, no, look, no, good, no, no. would look good in the blue and orange. I think I think you can try to confuse them and trade them Coryle Siegman. <laughs> I don't know why I made it Siegman, but Coryle Seager, and maybe they'll think it's Corey Seager and they get Kyle instead. It's possible. All right, let's take a break. Coming up next, let's get into the controversies of baseball and see where John sits with them. I want to start with the one that has been the most talked about this year, and that is robot umpires behind home plate. I am staunchly against that, and we'll see where John sits. But first, Joe has sports. This is the Hot Corner with Harrison Lynch on 1080 The Fan. 8.36 here on your Wednesday evening. Mike and John with you for the Hot Corner tonight. Patrick, How about that? Patrick will hopefully be back next week. The only person qualified to replace a Coug is another Coug. That's a good point. Yeah. Hashtag go Cougs. Your new quarterback threw for like 576 yards. He looked good. And 900 touchdowns against New Mexico good. State, but 900 touchdowns. Hey, you got to beat who you play. You know who New Mexico State plays next week or this week? I do not. On the road against Alabama. Oh. <laughs> you think Washington State was bad? <laughs> they get to go play the Tide. Well, it'll be a different kind of beating. <laughs> it'll be way more physical and humiliating. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's one thing to have them throw the ball all over you. It's another thing to have them physically beat you up with it. And yeah, just what, run over you over and over and over again. That's what Alabama's going to do. So well, I hope New Mexico State making is making bank on these two games because they are not getting any wins from it. All right, so this is what I wanted to do with John this week. And I wanted to set up a lot of controversial baseball topics that have been topics of discussion in baseball over the last few years and on this show specifically, and just kind of get his opinions because we don't normally get to hear John's hot takes on these controversial topics. And I want to start with robo umpires behind behind home plate. And if you've listened to the show enough, you know that I am immensely, staunchly, angrily against that. I think there is something to the umpire in the game. That's kind of a spirit of the game kind of thing that I think if you remove it, that's when you start treading on thin ice and you start taking away some of that extra appeal that baseball fans have grown to love about the game. So John question a is robot umps. Yay or nay. Well, let me just say this. I'm, 
I was originally for it, but then I realized that there's not an actual robot standing behind home plate. <laughs> so instantly I become less of a fan. You wanted Blarn's ball to happen? I wanted like an old, I, I'm going to date myself here. I wanted like an old Cylon Raider from Battlestar Galactica to stand <laughs> behind home plate and call balls and strikes. You give me that, I'm in. <laughs> he can't be worse than Angel Hernandez. <laughs> well, no, no one's worse than Angel Hernandez. So, except for maybe Phil Cuzzy. Right. <laughs> So uh, once I got over that, and I there aren't actual robot umps, um, then I was like, well, let's take a look at this. But no, I, I totally agree with you. And I tend to, I joke, I tend to lean old school. Um, I don't like this idea at all. And I'll say this, it's, and I've heard my brother talk about it, and my brother likes to throw out the, you know, we want the calls to be right. And yeah. I agree. Nothing, nothing sucks more than when the Mariners are trying to rally and, uh, you know, you get an egregious strike three call that's clearly off the plate and the and the rally's over. And I, and I don't want that to happen, but I totally agree with you. I think I think it's just part of the game. It's part of what makes baseball great. Uh, the umpires, I think they do a good job by and large. Um, and I don't want to take that human element out of baseball. I, I don't want it. And I'm all for... Uh, getting the call right. Um, part of me was not sure how replay would work in baseball. I think it's been good. I don't mind it. Um, I like when the when you get the call right with replay. Uh, but robot umpires, I think, is one step too far. I, I don't like it at all. And I hope um, I know they're working on it and they're they've used it in like the Atlantic League uh, this year. I hope we don't see that in baseball, Mike. I, I think it takes away some of the human element. The the human element to me is one of the most important things in sports. And a lot of that comes with the officials and, and, the, and the umps and the refs and whatever you want to call them in the various sports. And I understand that. And I also understand that you want to get the calls right. Now, I used to be very much for replay. And as replay started getting pushed out, I started to kind of get more and more resistant to it. I think we're kind of at, in my opinion the breaking point on replay. We're at a spot where it's fine. I across most sports. I think replay is fine um, where it is right now in baseball. Specifically. I don't mind the challenges. I don't mind how quick it takes or how long it takes. Sometimes it takes longer because it's a tough play, yeah. but it tends to go by pretty quickly. They show you all the angles. It doesn't feel like you're waiting forever. Agree. I, I don't, I don't think I've ever sat in a replay in baseball and thought this is messing up the pace of the game. Right. Baseball's Some, kind of slow anyway. Sometimes in the NBA, you're like, are you kidding me? Can you guys make a decision already? Or in football, it's like they're trying to reset the clock and they're just standing there for 900 years. But I, I don't mind it in baseball where it is right now, but I think you're at a tipping point. And I think when you go past a certain point, you open up Pandora's box of needing every single thing to be 100% correct. And although that's probably what you want, you're going to lose something that's way more important to the game. And I, I think a lot of people don't really realize that. I think a lot of joy in sports, and specifically in baseball, comes from that human element. Um, a lot of the funny, random stories. I mean, I don't know if you follow John Boy on Twitter. He's the baseball guy who's a Yankee wow. guy who makes funny videos. How much of his stuff is just fun lip reading of umps and coaches yelling at each other? Sure. That's just funny. Sure. It's fun. And sure, Angel Hernandez is horrific, and he really is. He's the worst one of the bunch. But part of me loves when Angel Hernandez is the ump because I know you're going to get something interesting, you know? And and I think if you eliminate that entire portion of the game, you will start to lose the interest of fans because it's going to be a little bit, for lack of a better term, robotic. 
Every single game, you kind of know what's going to happen. Obviously, the game is it's still fun and it's a sport, but that extra thing goes away. It's, it, it is, and, and I kind of like that extra thing. And, again, I don't like when my team loses out or gets squeezed or something, but, you know, as, as a fan that watches – one team every night, right? I watch the Mariners in the American League. I, I know most of the umpires that, that run the American League circuit. And so I pay attention when when they announce who's behind the plate because not I don't know them all, but I can usually say, oh, you know, this guy is a, is a pitcher's umpire or this guy wants to just swing the bat or this guy. And after the first inning, you know, I enjoy that. Okay, the low, he's giving them the low strike tonight. Yep. Okay, that's going to help Felix on the mound. But our pitchers are going to need to our batters are going to need to adjust to that. And to me, that's all part of the game and the strategy and baseball and what makes it awesome. It's a little bit of gamesmanship, a little. It extra. is a little gamesmanship, yeah. and it's it's been that way. And uh, I did read an article about because they they did roll the Robart umpire out in the Atlantic League, and I the article I read a sh- small sample size, but it's really not all that more accurate than human umpires is what they've found. Really? Yeah. It's, it's pretty It's closer than you think. And when you watch a baseball game, how many really atrocious on a, just an average game, how many really atrocious ball and strike calls are you going to get? Atrocious? Maybe one. There, there aren't that many. There's a lot of borderline ones where when they have the little strike zone up there for you, you go, okay, that's a ball, but it's close enough where you're like catcher framed it. Well, and yeah, if and if you took that it. little ball and strike thing away, it would even go down because yeah. we you know we watch and we don't really know and camera half, angles can be confusing sometimes too. Half the time we're yelling at the ump, it's because it's outside the little box that they just showed us. So take that away and it gets even better. Uh, but yeah, I guess the the what they found after a, a, a few months of doing this, excuse me, in the Atlantic League, is it's not not all that much different. Than uh, than what the human umps were doing, um, you know, and you know how they, they there's a human ump back there and he's got a little earpiece in and a computer says whether it's a ball or strike and they relay it to the umpire and he makes the call. So there is there is visually still that human element to it, but you can't argue anymore, right? Because it's just like the guy goes, sorry, I mean, right? It's it's what it is, and I don't I don't like that. I like. I like Lou Pinella coming out and kicking dirt on the umpire's shoes. That still might happen. It just wouldn't have the same intensity to it because the ump will be like, what do you want me to do, man? Give me the phone. Lou Pinella comes out and grabs the phone and yells at some guy in New York <laughs> reading the screen. And then he's like, what do you want? It's the computer, man. Yeah. It's the pitch I, tracker, man. I don't like, I understand uh, kind of the momentum behind wanting to do this. I think this is the next step in that replay evolution. But I agree with you. I like how you said it's kind of a tipping point. Um, and for me, that tipping point is too far. I, I, I think they're, I think this would hurt the game in the long run. A couple of texts before we break bad calls. Let fans think they could have slash did a sort of win the game. Look at the saints fans breeze threw a pick in overtime, but the fans blame the refs, not breeze for losing the NFC championship game against the Rams. Sure. And then he moves, goes on to say it's a coping mechanism. Blaming umps and refs is for a loss. Also it's drama. Reality TV proves people have tight, tight pants for controversy. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It adds it adds a little dramatic flair to the game. So let, let me ask you this, Mike. Let's do you think I think it's just human nature. I mean, sports fandom is so passionate that anything that goes against your team you're going to gripe about. So I don't think that this eliminates griping. Let's say that you put in the robot umpires and whatever you want to think about robot umpires, 
you're still going to complain about a bad call that goes against your team. I think some people would, yeah. I think I think everybody would. It's just fandom. But if wouldn't that slowly fade as you become more and more used to the fact that there's no human element, it's all a control by a computer. So you're telling me game 7 of the World Series Aaron Judge is up and he gets rung up looking on a strike 3 call and he turns to complain. It's just natural. I think he's going to turn to complain. You're telling me the 40,000 people in Yankee Stadium are going to be like you know what? You can't argue with technology, Aaron. No, they're going to be all over. Well, of course they are. And I think, and I think that that still will be there. And I and I think fans will still gravitate towards complaining, no matter what the the robot umps say. The only thing that's sad to me about this, and we got to break, is I think we're going to get it. I think MLB's push, pushing hard enough for that to be in the game that we're going to have to deal with it, and I'm not happy about it. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's take a break. Coming up next, more controversies of baseball with Big John Tukanik. This is the Hot Corner on the Fan. This is the Hot Corner with Harrison Lynch on 1080 The Fan. 8.50 on your Wednesday evening. Mike and John with you until 10 o'clock on the Hot Corner. After dark. Dark, it's provocative. You don't know what's going on in here. Neither do we. It's provocative. We're watching Giants Cardinals on the TV. Uh, yeah, we're just the exact same thing that's going on as if we were at like my house right now. Right. <laughs> this, is, this is exactly what we would be doing other than my dog would be in the room. And there'd be no microphones. We'd just be watching baseball talking. Yes, and my dog would be in the room. That's yes. the only difference. Because <laughs> the Mariners played at four today, right? Yeah, the Mariners did not play today. Oh, they had the day off today. They had the, uh, the Root Sports did the big, uh, the Mariners... A minor league affiliate in Arkansas is in the playoffs, and that's the team that has all the big prospects. The Arkansas on it. Travelers? Travelers, yes. Uh, they have uh, Kelnick is on that team, and Kyle Lewis, and uh, most of their big prospects. And so they showed that game on TV uh, tonight on route. And so that was kind of fun uh, to see. Depoto did some of the color commentary talking about prospects. So for a Mariner fan, it was kind of a cool. Kind of a cool watch. So I watched a little bit of that before I came out to the show. Is that what you do when the Mariners aren't? Do you just put MLB Network on and watch whatever's on? It depends what's on. You know, usually I I do the mailing it in segment at 7. If the Mariners aren't on, I'll watch Jeopardy at 7 Great every show. night. Uh, and then 7.30 is kind of a crapshoot. I'll see, you know, I'll do a once around the block, see what's on TV, uh, maybe check out Netflix real quick. Um, but if there's nothing on and i default i will go to mlb and just put it on and kind of see what's going on check out my fantasy team and um you know kind of see what's going on around the league we're at that bad part in the fantasy baseball year at least for me this year i'm having my worst fantasy baseball year ever and uh i am in ninth out of 12th in a rotisserie league and i'm out of the playoffs in the league that started the playoffs so i've not not fun i've been bad all year in the last like Four weeks, I've been red hot, and I've shot all the way up to third place. But How is I, that possible in rotisserie? I don't know, but I can't catch one and two. Oh. So it's... You're just like, ah, oh, okay, cool. Like, I have, like, 76 points, and, that I, like, first place has got, like, 105. I There's You're, nothing I can do to catch him, so, you know, just going to ride out the string. So the next controversy I wanted to bring up to John here, and this is one that I've talked about most recently... Are you finding the current iteration of baseball worse or hard to watch or harder to watch than you than baseball in the past for you? No, not at all. 
because everybody seems to be ripping this year's baseball as being unwatchable. It's the home run walk strikeout fest. Nothing else happens. I mean, see, and I in terms of stats, you are seeing more home runs than ever. You're seeing more walks than ever. You're seeing more strikeouts than ever. So, in some cases, that is true. But as I've talked about on the show, is I feel almost the opposite that I'm loving baseball more than I ever have. I and I would agree, and and it kind of bothers me when I hear people say that. And to to be honest with you, when I hear somebody say that, my initial reaction, and and I don't want to look. If you're a baseball fan, you're a baseball fan. I, I hate the term. You're a true baseball fan, right? Because right. what is that? You know, everybody fans their own way. I I watch 162 Mariner games a year. Somebody might watch 80, and does that make them less of a fan? No, it doesn't. But I mean, yes, but <laughs> technically, <laughs> maybe they have more of a life. Uh, <laughs> but it bothers me when I hear people say that because that's my first thought: is that are you really a true baseball fan? Because and here's the deal, Mike, and I don't know if you're the same way. Part of what I love about baseball is you can sit down and watch a game and literally anything can happen. It can be 10 to nothing. It could be 10 to seven. It can be one to nothing. It could be a no hitter. Could you know, four to three pitchers duel. You could have a walk off in the, any given game taken in and of itself can be anything. And I, if you love watching baseball, I love all those outcomes. I'll watch a 10 to nothing game. I have no problem with it. I'll watch a one to nothing pitchers duel. I'll watch a no hitter. You know, I'll watch a game that's, Nothing happens till the seventh inning, and then people go nuts, and they'll walk off in the ninth. Extra innings. I'll watch a game that goes 20 innings. And for that game in and of itself, I love that, whatever that is. And so maybe the statistics over the course of the season are leaning towards, you know, oh, it's too many home runs or too many strikeouts. But on an individual basis, I just love watching a baseball game. And whatever happens that game, I'm fine with. You mentioned anything can happen in any given game. Just the other night, you had the most bonkers foul ball spin I've ever seen when ever. Paul, Paul DeYoung on the Cardinals hit a foul ball that took a straight right turn and was halfway to the dugout and got fair, and he was safe. I've never seen that before, right? right? And that happens in baseball every single day. Well, and, and it's not necessarily something brand new, but something unique or that you haven't seen in a while or weird always happens. And baseball has been played for over a hundred years. And how many times during the course of the season do you hear, well, that's never happened before. You hear it all the time. You're constantly getting stuff that's never happened before, not only in individual games, but over the course of, you know, we had this year, the, the streak of players hitting two home runs, at least one guy hitting two home runs, some during the course of the day, you know, 37 straight games or whatever. It never happened before. Statistically, like 65% of NFL games are 21 to 17. And I love the NFL. I'll yeah. watch any football game. But chances are it's going to be about 21 to 17. You're going to have a couple sacks. You're going to have a couple long touchdowns, some drives, a couple field goals. That's what you're going to get. Lots of punts. Lots of punts. And so to me, again, I, I get the criticism that there's too many home runs. Maybe that's the case. I get the criticism that people strike out too much. I think that is the case. I, I'd love to see the ball in play more just as a baseball fan. But sit down, watch a baseball game. Anything can happen, and I'm fine with whatever happens because I, I will love that game for what it is. The way I, I always look at it is I don't necessarily say you're not a true baseball fan like you, like you say. I think I go, are you actually watching baseball? Sure. Or are you just being a microphone for what you're reading on social media and reading an article? Sure. Because – 
I watch 162 Yankee games, right? That's my favorite team. And then I watch, oh, I don't know, like 100 other games throughout the year, just whatever's on TV, I'll throw it on at work or, sure. or at home at night. And yes, there's lots of strikeouts. Sure, there's more walks. And of course, there's more home runs. But I mean, I'm seeing balls in play all the time. Sure. I mean, you've got singles and flyouts and infield singles and doubles and triples and weird bounces and errors and everything happens still. Sure, the rates of those three things have gone up, but watching it, if you actually watch the game, I feel like it's not that noticeable that those things are going up and because I, you're in the moment of the game. And I agree. I couldn't and, agree more. And and when people say that, I'm going, what are you watching? Yeah. Did you watch one inning where a pitcher struck out the side and you were like, huh, unwatchable? I, I, think, I think what you're getting is people that watch one inning and then they wake up in the morning and see that it was two to nothing and they're like, oh, that game sucked. But if you sit down and watch that two to nothing game, you know this. I, there are two to nothing games that are awesome, full of excitement the whole game. Absolutely. And I think closer to the game, the more tense it is. Right. And I think there is a lot of that. There, people aren't watching. And the nature of baseball lends itself to that. 162 games, they take a long time. I get that some fans don't have the time to invest in watching a whole game, let alone a whole season of it. But I think a lot of that criticism comes from people that aren't watching the entire game. Because when you do, uh, again, to to quote our friends at Baseballism, you know, this isn't boring. This is beautiful. That's that's baseball. I am wearing a Baseballism shirt today, by the way. Three up, three, three down. Up, three up, down. Yep, that's not English. Three up, three down. <laughs> um, the other way I look at it, too, is a couple of things. The strikeouts and the home runs and the walks – don't have to be viewed as negative. A strikeout is the pitcher dominating the hitter. Right. The pitcher having massive success. The walk is the hitter having an amazing eye, right? Most of the time. Sometimes it's a wild pitcher. And the home run is the 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 home run increase minus the baseball being a little bit juiced this year. Generally is baseball realizing that launch angle matters. Mm-hmm. And every single player for the most part has adjusted their swing because they found out that, oh, if I just swing at this angle instead, I'm going to hit way more extra base hits and help my team win by more. So looking at it that way, they're all positive things that are happening. They don't have to be negative. Nothing in baseball has to be a negative, right? It's all just part of the game. Right. And when they, it was like, oh, I don't want to see so many walks. Why? Don't you want your team to have a good eye? Don't yeah. you want them to run up the other pitcher's count so you get into the bullpen, which has been pretty in, bad this year? In the course of that game, it's part of the game. It's awesome. Yeah. So that's the way I look at it. And also, I just it just makes me think you don't appreciate the game in the way that I feel like it's meant to be appreciated. Sure. One text on the last segment that I just that I saw before we go to break here is an amateur sociologist asks. Are we changing sports from a human experience saturated with the activities, superb excellence, and the periodic failures of humans, or is sports turning into a technical result settled by humans? Yeah. I think that's a great point. Interesting question. It's not, in my mind, a technical result settled by humans. It's the first one. It is a human experience saturated by great, talented athletes and human error. That's why we watch. That's why we watch. We watch the drama, right? Yep. We watch the drama. All right, coming up next, more Controversies of Baseball with John. This is the Hot Corner on the Fan. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.